Good morning, Misfits. You are tuning in to episode 11 of the Misfit Project. I am your host, Drew Crandall. As always, across from me is Ted. Ted, we have our very first full interview guest today. It's super exciting. Super, super exciting. It is exciting. And it's exciting because it's our first. And it's also exciting because I am a huge proponent for functional medicine. And we have functional medicine practitioner Manea Haworth on. Um, Manea has been a member of our tribe gym community for, for quite some time now. And um, I won't get too much into what we talk about today, but it was uh, really cool to have our first guest. And um, I think the interview is uh, pretty cool. So yeah. yeah, that's great. Hope you guys enjoy. Manea, welcome to the Misfit Project. Thank you. It's good to be here. How does it feel to be the first person interviewed on a podcast listened to by dozens and dozens of people? <laughs> it's a little scary, but I'm honored. It's exciting. I've never done a podcast myself. so I'm going I'm to put you on the spot right off the bat. Um, what do you think so far? I know that you said you've made it through episode eight. Yes, momentum. Um, I think find it's very easy to listen to. I've actually given it to a few of my patients for recommendations. Oh, yeah, that's so cool. Um, I think that your suggestions are are, are great and um, there's, there's small pieces that I think patients can take away and maybe work on. Um, so I think you're doing a great job. I appreciate that. It's awesome to hear. Um, yeah, there's that. I know that you and I have talked about this before. There's that balance of us... I'm not going to lump myself into, I'm obviously not, you know, uh, I'm not a functional medicine practitioner, but, um, I study a lot of the similar stuff and mm -hmm. there's so much to the, the style of like bringing the information in and understanding it yourself. But then how do you put it out there? Like, how do you relay this information to people when the end goal really isn't to educate them as much as it is to help them make changes in your life? I agree. I think one of uh, I think it was one of the first episodes I listened to. The thing that you said really resonated with me was um, just being able to kind of you were just giving out random recommendations to people, and really that it's not necessarily helping them. Just small recommendations. Um, really, what you need to do is kind of start at the beginning and um, work on all of these things. So, yeah. and I think that's where the functional medicine piece comes in and working on the whole person. It's hard too when you're really interested in it because mm -hmm. you assume that other people are or that they should be. Right. And that's just not necessarily the case. And you want to help everyone. And you, you've got all this great information and it's just exploding out of your brain and you want to share it. And it's, it is a difficult, um, it's difficult to figure out how to kind of disseminate that. I guess yeah. My, my actual like training is from the integrative institute for nutrition and i got my um health coaching certificate through them and it was it was an interesting journey for me because i the information i was sort of fighting a little bit and i knew that if i had gone the route of maybe like dietitian or gone back to like a traditional college that it would have been even harder mm -hmm. for me to handle that um you know, like Rob Wolf talks about, he has this girl that works for him that decided she was going to go back and go through all of that. And they just sit there and laugh and talk about like the things that she's being taught. Like, and she just has to, there's nothing she can do about it. She's not going to get into a fight with the professor every single class. Right. So, um, with IIN, there was like, let's learn everything. Let's learn this diet, that diet, this way of thinking, that way of thinking, which was nice. Um, you know, there, I was, introduced to a lot of things that I wouldn't have explored for myself. But the huge takeaway for me was the actual like working with people piece. Mm -hmm. Like don't go into these consultations and put all of this stuff on them. Like listen, like mm -hmm. listen to what they have to say, listen to, you know, what they're going through, try to help them help themselves. And that was for me the, like the biggest change and trying to figure out how to relay this information to people because I just like, I talked about it in our very first episode. I was trying so hard with like family members and like old college roommates and stuff to like, here's the info. Good luck. And it never worked. Right. Like at all, like not even in the slightest. So mm -hmm. yeah. Um, 
so essentially where I would like to start is um, like the, almost the your backstory and, and how you got from little Manea to <laughs> to doing what you do now. So um, give us some background. Where did you grow up? What was, you know, your childhood, the, the whole thing? Okay. Um, I grew up in China, Maine. Yes, that is a, a, a town in Maine on a farm. Um, it wasn't a working farm, but we had a bunch of animals, horses, chickens, the, the work. So um, learned good work ethic there. Um, eventually, I moved into Waterville and um, went to Waterville High School. And my mom t- told me that I wanted to be an emergency room physician when I was little. And I even shadowed. I don't remember this, but um, I think that my um, desire to be in some sort of medicine um, was early. It started early on. Yeah. I went to school, uh, graduate, uh, sorry, um, college at UVM, um, did a year there, and wasn't really ready for college yet, so the I... typical, like, you leave. Yeah, it's I need to get away from home. It's not what you thought home. it was going to be. Yep. Yeah. It, I loved UVM. We've all been there, haven't <laughs> we, Ted? Yeah. No, I, I did that like a couple times. six, seven schools, you know. <laughs> Drew was a professional college student for a while. Sure was. I, I, could, I could probably pass for that for a while. Um, I So I took a... After my, my first year, I actually went... Um, did an outward bound course in Colorado for uh, it was like a semester course so um, we hiked and rafted and rock climbed and all this cool stuff and it was a leadership course so I learned a lot about myself Um, my one claim to fame is not eating for three days and not showering for 35 days (laughs) smelled great I've never done the eating part but I'm pretty sure I have that. I might have been deep. eating my chapstick at the end of the day, at the third day. <laughs> it's pretty gross. I had a friend that got pulled over for DUI that ate chapstick to try and get out of it. That's an interesting it method. Did not work. Oh, okay. It didn't so, work at all. PSA, people, if you don't eat chapstick, if you're trying to get out of DUI charge, chapstick does not work. He tries to lie about it, but it happens. <laughs> so um, after my um, experience with Outward Bound, I. Um, Started at University of Maine in Orono. I um, was interested in nutrition. I ended up in the athletic training program. I graduated, and right at the end, I, I shadowed at the health center, and I was like, oh, this is way cooler and probably better lifestyle. So I, I was interested in going into PA school. So I was kind of investigating schools there, and I realized that um, USM had a nurse practitioner school, and really um, nursing seemed more in line with my um, views and beliefs and how I wanted to work with people, I guess. So I um, moved down to Portland and I started that program in 2007 and graduated in 2010. It was an accelerated track. So I graduated with my master's in nursing. Um, six months later, I found a job in Richmond, Maine. It was a community health Where center. Is Richmond, Maine? It, uh, it's like, a, uh, let's see, it's so 40 minutes from Portland, Middle, uh, middle of nowhere, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's this t- very tiny town. <laughs> by Topsom? A little uh, north of Topsom. Yep. Oh, okay. Tiny right. town. Yep. Um, I was blessed to have two amazing mentors, Tom Bartal and Linda Hermans. Um, they were great. They really allowed me to spread my wings and try to figure out who I was as a practitioner. Um, but as a new practitioner, I was like, what am I doing? Who are these people? I've got all these guidelines I was given in school. Um, people with high blood pressure, I'm going to give them medicine. People with high cholesterol, I'm supposed to give them medicine. Um, I, I, The visits, they were kind of pushed to be 15 minutes, 15-minute visits. Um, and then for physicals, I got a little bit longer. But I was getting pretty frustrated with 15 minutes. I mean, that's a whole... Trying to change somebody's life. Whole story minutes. to, yeah, it is my, my biggest issue with um, kind of allopathic conventional medicine is the, the 15 minute visit. <laughs> it's hard to do a lot of things in 15 minutes. I mean, how let do you, alone discuss somebody's symptoms and possible like fixes for it. Right. How do you get to know a person in 15 minutes? Yeah. I mean, you could have them come back several days in a row, maybe eventually get to know them. But um, so at that point, I, I was... So kind of backtrack a little bit personally, like while I was in nursing school, I um, got into um, running long distance and I had always had a little bit of a struggle with food. I like didn't really like couldn't figure out what foods were like making me feel good. I did 
as many diets as you can possibly think of. I even saw someone where I was doing like this low fat, low carb training for a marathon. Wait, did you just say low fat, low carb? Oh, it's terrible. That's explained in a book I was reading recently as rabbit starvation. <laughs> I would, I was starving. Yeah, rabbit starvation. No, that's a real thing. Your, your energy source is if your body can maybe make some glucose out of protein, essentially. Well, I mean, I was metabolizing muscle for sure. I have a before and after picture and I was like skinny fat at the end. <laughs> I was like, I lost a bunch of fat, but Oh boy! Um, so I was able. I ended up running a, a good marathon um, on that diet somehow. Um, but obviously, there's a means to an end. I did qualify for the Boston Marathon, and um, and then I was trying to continue with that diet, and I just crashed and burned. Mm-hmm. That marathon was terrible. Cramped up. Took me the longest, and that was the end of my marathon. It's career. hard to run a marathon with no energy source. Yeah. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> uh, live and learn. So. Um, Personally, I was dealing with food and saying, thinking to myself, it shouldn't be this hard to eat. It's food. Like, we all eat food. Why is it so difficult? It shouldn't be. It should be a little bit more intuitive. Um, and then in my my professional career, I was seeing all these patients who were probably having similar troubles with food, similar troubles with their lifestyle, and um, dealing with coping mechanisms, unhealthy, smoking, alcohol, all that stuff. Um, and I thought to myself, this is not, something's not working. I'm prescribing medication. People's blood pressures are still going up. Um, seeing these people, they're not getting better. They're getting sicker. Like what gives this, this medical model that I was taught doesn't seem to work. Um, and I happened to be in a physical therapy appointment. I'm a physical therapy lifer. I've been there quite a few times. <laughs> they all know me at Orthopedic Associates. Um, and the um, the PT guy I was working with was like, um, why don't you listen to this podcast? And it was uh, Dave Asprey. <laughs> um, everyone, I don't know if everyone's familiar with Dave Asprey and his Bulletproof yeah. talk show. Oh, yeah. Um, and I had listened to a few and he had mentioned functional medicine. I was like, what is this functional medicine stuff? So I did a little research. Um of course, I went to the Wikipedia page, which wasn't very helpful. <laughs> oh my goodness, we're gonna stop just for a second. If you this this episode, we'll get there, is about functional medicine, and if you go to the Wikipedia page for functional medicine, it it reads as if it was written like like a doctor that's maybe eighty years old that is getting ready to like cash out, and he might invest in like a pharmaceutical company. Like it is so excruciating. I think you guys should actually, I, I was going to say, don't go there, but go there and read it and laugh. This is what you can understand <laughs> about how it's, it's crazy. And we'll get into what functional medicine is, but my God. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not what's on the Wikipedia page. Is that what you're saying? So, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> it's, it's incredible that they it's like, allow that to be It's like be the on opposite. Yeah. Um, so I obviously didn't use that as my main source of information. I, um, can you I imagine think- if you had just read that? <laughs> Oh, wow. It's quackery. Okay. <laughs> Trying to help people. Okay. Trying to prevent there. Okay. Yep. Nope. Um, I found the Institute for Functional Medicine, and I did a little research on other um, forms of um, education through functional medicine, and it was obviously mostly online, and I found that probably Institute for Functional Medicine was the best route um, and fit my lifestyle the best at that time. I, in 2014, I think I, yeah, I started, I actually went out to Arizona to do the, they call it the AFM CP. So I see, no, sorry. It's, it's the first course. It's basically a week long and they literally just go through everything and your mind's just blown away. Like, you're like, what have I been doing? Like, this all makes sense to me now. Like, I don't think I can think about conventional medicine the same anymore. Um, it, I mean, it's, it is just mind-blowing I guess is how that's how I felt at the end of the week um backtrack a little bit in 2013 my oldest brother um developed colon cancer and he was dealing with treatments he lives in uh, lived in Austin um he he was dealing with the chemo radiation I went down and was trying to kind of help him understand it a little bit but I was still like um, really in the infancy of functional medicine. So I didn't have information to give him. I, I was, I felt kind of helpless, but I wanted to help him along. Um, he, um, I think what happened was he had symptoms far before he actually was able to, um, speak up and have, and 
do something about it. So right. um, he ended up having surgery, um, but it came back and he decided to um, stay home and uh, take advantage of palliative care. Um, he passed away in 2014 um, at home. And I was just kind of like, all right, how, how does this make sense? He's 45. Um, I, he grew up on a farm. He's been relatively healthy. Um, like what gives? And then I kind of was thinking more about his lifestyle. Like he was uh, had a stressful job. He um, did gain a lot of weight. And I could see in some of the photos where he gained weight and lost weight. Um, and, and at some point he could have been exposed to something and it, all it takes is a trigger. Um, so that experience really... Um, made me a little bit more passionate and motivated to be like I need there's there's a reason this stuff is happening and um, I can't explain it with conventional medicine maybe there's something in functional medicine that can help me understand this and help help me help other people um, so that was kind of the um, another motivation for me um, my own struggles with diet and that was another motivation for me I, I, I help if I can understand it myself then I can help other people understand it so where I'm at right now with functional medicine, I've, I've done a bunch of different, different modules. And by modules, they teach you different body systems. There's cardiometabolic, energy, um, the immune system. We learn about detoxification, um, hormones, and I think I'm forgetting one. Is it, is it set up in that manner so that it can work for like working professionals, like in terms of how like the modules work and everything? Yeah, um, they. I think they. Uh, some some practitioners choose not to do the certification. They just choose to take whichever modules that interest them, oh, and okay. they can probably pull some of the information and try to an attempt to insert it in their conventional medicine practice. But that is a very difficult um, model to work with. I would say. Right. Um, w- when I started the functional medicine certification, all the modules that I was working with, I was trying to bring back that information to my practice at Richmond. Um, the 15 minute visit. Yeah. Um, it was horrible. I, I, I probably, I probably got very stressed out about that. I mean, I, I came, there's, I had all this information. I wanted to give it to every single patient I saw and I had 15 minutes to do it. And I was like, this is so frustrating. I know what's wrong with these people, but I can't explain it to them. I don't have time. And I had to really kind of step back and tell myself, okay, what small piece of information can you give this person to maybe help them make some sort of lifestyle change and then just move on? And then you've got to figure out professionally where you want to go. Maybe so. maybe this is a, a dumb question and maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but what is functional medicine? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that would probably be a good Well, so I guess I guess I I got I got a lot of what I wanted out of out of that because I see this you grow up in this lifestyle where you are exposed to a lot of things that would help you be a healthy, happy individual. Mm-hmm. You, you grew up in um, a rural area. You were exposed to being outside. I know that you um, are just sort of naturally active. You like to ski. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that diet piece was you were essentially healthy enough through these other avenues that you knew the diet piece wasn't there. And you knew that you wanted to be able to either make a change or help other people make a change. And this is how sort of how you got there. And then obviously, you know, we talk about it all the time. I think it's really important that people, you know, obviously there's the grieving process, but people um, use that motivation when it comes to those family situations. Because unfortunately, with our $3.2 trillion um, chronic (laughs) disease bill, in the United States, um, none of us are immune to this. Right. Exactly. You know, you, you go through these things and they're horrific and you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You don't know what to do about it. Um, and in your case, you were able to use it as a motivator to say like, I want to dig even further into this. I want to mm-hmm. figure out how I can help, you know, whether it's someone that comes into your practice or, you know, a family member, whatever it is. So I just think that it's really important to, um, for, for people that are listening to find out where, you know, your desire to do this comes from. Okay. And I find that, you know, every time I read, you know, a book, whether it's Presser or, you know, even Dave Asprey or Rob Wolf. Um, and again, I don't want to compare myself to, to 
the people who have, you know, millions of downloads on their podcast, but I went through both family stuff and personal stuff that led me to this point. Right. And I think that when you can, you know, relay, you know, relate to other people and relay your journey to them, they can find some sort of like connection there. Mm -hmm. And I think we got through that part. So yes, now that we see the motivation, what, what is functional medicine? Okay. So in, uh, I'm going to, kind of explain conventional medicine first. Um, just that model is basically more or less sick care. We are great at acute care. We're a great we're great at saying, oh my God, your leg's about to fall off. Let's fix that. Oh my God, you have pneumonia. Let's fix that. Um, sick care, um, taking care of uh, an, um, an illness right away. However, we have so much chronic disease um, our model doesn't fit the chronic disease model at all. Um, functional medicine gives us a chance to step back, um, take a look at the person, spend more time with the person, and really, instead of treating like each disease system or um, body system, so you see a cardiologist, you see a pulmonologist, you see a dermatologist, like all of these body parts are connected. You're actually one human being. Your skin's attached to your like, you know what I mean? I, yeah. Everything's attached. So yeah. when we cut up all of these things and say, go see the dermatologist for that skin issue, that skin issue probably has to do with a lot of other stuff going on in your life. Um, so with functional medicine, we step back and we look at all of these pieces going on. We look at um, your sleep. We look at exercise. We look at nutrition. We look at stress. We look at relationships and how your body's, are fu- body's functioning. So by definition, and I'm I should have written down the, the, the IFM's nah. definition. Okay. Um, it's basically finding the root cause of illness with, um, with science and biochemistry. It's not, um, it's not just, uh, I'm trying to think of how to best explain it. It's basically finding the root cause of an illness um, by going through all of the systems. Trying to fix it? Instead of Band-Aid? Yeah, no no Band-Aids. Get to the root cause is kind of the slogan of functional medicine, I would say. I I find it really interesting that you explained conventional medicine as sick care, not health care. That's really interesting. (laughs) Because it's it's true. I mean, you go to a doctor, you have that 15-minute visit, and they're like, here's your pills. See you later. See you next time. What is so challenging is... We look at, I'll try not to go too far down this rabbit hole, but we look at our current political climate. Um, You look at all of the things that we're trying to figure out and deal with. And sometimes you have to have some sympathy for the, for the doctor and the situation because the system is almost rigged to a point where what are they supposed to do? I mean, these, these pharmaceutical companies are making, amounts of money that people can't even begin to understand. So yes, our national, I think our national budget is like 4 trillion or something like that. And we spent 3.2 trillion on chronic disease. It's painful. It's going to take over our budget very soon. And the only thing that you can do is have some sort of approach like a functional medicine where that number can go down. People have to stop going in for these problems. Mm-hmm. That's the only way. Yeah. You can't just keep trying to fix those problems with, hey, take this and you'll have less symptoms. You're still diabetic. You still have the blood pressure. You still have whatever. And then when you stop and look at it, it's like, wait, so less sugar. Um, we need a little vasodilation and vasoconstriction for blood pressure. Like it's as it's kind of simple. And I know that one of the things that um I wanted to ask you about is some of the tools that you use to identify those issues are sort of complex, but then the actual remedy for them is a little bit more simple, right? Sure. A lot of the um, intervention is um, lifestyle diet based. Like that's where we start. Um, this, I mean, there's some, there's some pretty involved testing if you want to get there, but um, as a new functional medicine practitioner, I think that we do more testing, but as we get more comfortable with it, um, you don't necessarily have to do as much testing. And really the foundation is lifestyle and diet. So that's um, that's pretty simple. So stuff. what could someone expect um, from a functional medicine like appointment? Okay. What would that look like? Yeah. So um, 
initially I I expect to spend about 90 like a 60 to 90 minutes with somebody not 15 <laughs> I know <laughs> we get a good chunk of time to talk to somebody I get to really learn who they are and what their history is we go back as far as when you were in the womb so what was your mother's pregnancy like and we learn and I learn about um how your birth was was it a vaginal birth was it a c-section because there's um, a lot of research surrounding how a c-section versus a vaginal birth can affect you later in life Um, were you breastfed were you bottle fed that can affect things later in life Um, and then from birth up until um, your current age we talk about um, infections, antibiotic use, uh, surgeries, stressful uh, stressors, traumatic um, things that happened in your life, um, go through all of that. And I think the the thing that I like to um, really identify in the first visit is um, just establishing that timeline. We actually have like a timeline we fill out. We talk about something, we talk about antecedents. So basically antecedents are um, your family history, what kind of set the stage for where you are right now. We talk about mediators, what is the, what's driving the bus. And then we talk about triggers. What was that one, one uh, episode that you like, that really triggered your illness. So um, we kind of identify that by asking when was the last time you felt well. And that and we can kind of hone in on what was the what was the big trigger. Um, so we go through all of that. And then we are that I'm able after I'm done with the interview and um, we schedule a second appointment and I spend about an hour. I take all the information you gave me and I'm, I retell your story. I from what my perspective, from what you told me, and then I give you a chance to make your edits if I've misheard something or wasn't right about something and I also show you how I've plotted it on our we call it the the functional medicine matrix so I show you the the areas in your body based on your story that I think need work um, and go through sleep movement nutrition um, stress and relationships all that good stuff Um, with the physical exam we do a little bit more than you would get with a conventional physical um, we look at your teeth we look at your nails we look at your skin a little bit closer we see if you can smell things normally can you taste things normally um, and so those are a little it's a little bit more than what I do in my conventional medicine physical I guess um, after that I will suggest some testing if I think that's necessary um, create a prescription and usually it's um, like I said a, a, a diet and lifestyle so with the Institute for Function. That's not what prescription means. Prescription <laughs> means uh, Adderall, um, you know, the blood pressure stuff, the, you know, the metformin, mm-hmm. the commercials that say you're going to bleed out of your eyes and your butthole, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Little orange bottle. Yeah. That's the prescription. That's a prescription. Um, so, yes. No, I actually give you a prescription for food which is great what Uh, so ifm has actually developed a couple different diets so depending on the issues that we're concerned about um if it's a a cardio metabolic issue so heart or diabetes or something there's something a little bit more geared towards um that uh illness um then if you maybe have been exposed to something toxic we have a different diet that can kind of help you um work maybe some of that the toxins out of your body when you guys are working with diets do you like refer patients to nutritionists or do you work with nutritionists to kind of tailor these diets or uh ideally um yes that would that's a good setup um in my current practice right now it's just getting rolling so i'm kind of that person too um but eventually yes um if i start when i start seeing more patients i should say not if when um probably for time and for patients who need a little bit more contact seeing um, a nutritionist or a health coach um, to check in more frequently and help you succeed with your lifestyle changes because we know that is really like the 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 crux of the problem it's changing your changing what you're doing and that is not easy no not at all no it takes a lot of work Mm -hmm. and if you have somebody that's holding you accountable it's it makes it a lot easier yeah for sure um, so that's kind of the uh, that's kind of how, what you would look at for a visit. Um, you get a lot of uh, extra time versus your 15 minute visit or your 30, 45 minute physical. So if you come to a scenario where someone has something going on where you feel like testing is necessary, um, what sort of tests are you looking at? 
Okay, so um, IFM teaches you when in doubt, start with the gut. So we, I usually will um, do a stool test, um, and it's a little bit more than the conventional medicine stool test because that um, generally can screen for some um, digestive insufficiencies, but also in, also um, infection over parasite. But the stool test that I order actually gives you some information about what gut bacteria you mm-hmm. have yeah. unique to yourself. It does screen for infection. Um, it screens for maybe dietary insufficiency and then digestive insufficiencies. So we can, um, based on that information, um, recommend you, hey, I mean, a lot of people need to increase their fiber, and that, that seems to be a common uh, theme in the stool tests I get back. Um, but it also shows me some inflammation in the gut, and that kind of coincides with the patient's story. So we we know that's one of the things we need to work on. Um, other testing, and I haven't gotten into the hormone testing at all. That's pretty complicated. Um, not sure I can do a great job explaining that, but that is something that you can test for a saliva, urine, blood. Um we do um, trying to think of other testing that I might do. You guys do. do any food sensitivity? Yeah, we we can do that. the The food sensitivity is a kind of a it's it's difficult for some people to understand. Um, when we're doing a food sensitivity test, um, it's a snapshot of you at that time and your reaction to the food. So it's not it's not a food allergy. Food allergies you generally will have a reaction to that food um, within like twenty four hours. Um, food sensitivities mean that you have developed an inflammation to that food at that p- during at that particular time you're having the test. So mm-hmm. um, you can d- start developing some sensitivities to food, and they can be lifelong. Like you maybe start maybe even eating bread more often, and just all of a sudden um, you're you're developing more inflammation yeah. and more reaction to that food, and that can pop up. Um, it's a useful tool if someone is presenting with some um, GI symptoms or some inflammation we can't really yeah. nail down. Um, we can have them remove that food. Um, and that kind of gives, it's actually kind of um, frames another thing that IFM teaches us. It's called 5R. So it's um, gut restoration, basically. So we, if we find a food that is causing inflammation or something that's causing inflammation, we remove it. Um, replace it with something that's not as inflammatory. And then, um, so typically that's about, we try to do at least 30 days. Sometimes three months is a better time frame to work yeah. on that. We re-inoculate. So we'll see if we can um, re-inoculate with um, uh, probiotics, possibly. And prebiotics that, and if people are wondering what probiotic and prebiotic, I don't know if you've gone over that already. No. Um, probiotics are the good happy bugs that belong in your large intestine. Um, we, everyone has a different, um, uh, different environment in their gut. Yeah. Um, but some bacteria digest food better than others. Um, the, the balance of the bacteria can change. Um, we have naturally have yeast in our, um, in our body. And sometimes that can grow a little bit that the yeast can grow more. Sometimes bad bacteria grow more. So we call that, um, beneficial flora but it can become pathogenic so um that so that's kind of the issue with the probiotics um then the prebiotics are basically foods that feed the good bacteria so it's the food and that's how you end up re-inoculating taking a probiotic you can't necessarily re-inoculate there is a study that says that there's one specific strain that showed some lasting effect but Probiotics in general do not help you re-inoculate. They just kind of help um, create a healthier environment. This is, Does that make sense? Yeah, and this is where partially where this fiber conversation comes in. Correct. Right? Yep. Yeah, because fiber is, a, a, in general, a prebiotic. So yeah. I think they say, um, I'm trying to think, onions or asparagus and all of these. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but some of those are basically fiber and that helps feed the good bacteria. Yeah. Um, the, the reason that I asked about the, the food sensitivity thing is we have, you know, within this building, a bunch of success stories there. So for me personally, um, after I found out that um, I was celiac, I, you know, did what anyone would do, tried to find a way to get all of the junk food that I wanted to eat in gluten-free form and uh, unknowingly had a bunch of stuff, you know, whether it was a wrap or a pasta or something like that with teff in it. 
um, I did my food, food sensitivity test at my functional medicine um, testing and that was a problem. And that was one of those things where it's like, you can tell there's still something, this is still like a little something that's wrong. I can't really figure out what it is and come to find out looking back through just through like through my pantry, I found like three or four things that had definite and it was, you know, causing this huge issue with, uh, Gabe, he had wrist issues for, I don't know, the first two or three years that he was here at the gym and he did everything. He went the sort of traditional medicine route. He went the physical therapy route, couldn't figure out what was going on, read an article about nightshades and autoimmune, you know, responses. Mm -hmm. And was, he was like, I eat like a 32 ounce can of tomatoes like two or three times a week. It's like, I, I essentially, he's like, I put like tomato sauce on everything. Stopped wrist stuff went away. That's great. It's wrist stuff that he had been dealing with for years. That was like stopping his career. Like this huge issue, tomatoes cut out completely gone. And then obviously I think you can probably, I don't think Seth would mind. Okay. Um, you can, speak to his stuff a little bit more but he had a, a really serious sinus issue where mm-hmm. he was getting the literally having the polyps chipped out of his nasal cavity on yep. I think he did it twice yep. either two or twice. three times yep. um, and just seeing how inflamed his face was after um, well listening to him try to breathe prior <laughs> and then seeing how terrible it looked to go through that procedure so he ended up working with you mm-hmm. and was allergic to a few different things and was, yeah he was sensitive to dairy and eggs and egg whites and egg or so egg whites and egg yolks and the egg one, yolks part was really surprising yeah to me. one was less severe than the other so um the recommendation with that was to remove yeah. for a while um and then um he i mean he just changed his diet removed those two which is not an easy thing to do um and then we, I think what we did was we did a test after three months and he added it back in and his symptoms just kind of exploded again. Um, so he, and then we did another retest and he had decreased some of his reaction, food sensitivity, uh, his sensitivities to some things, but one remained, I can't remember which one it was, but one sensitivity remained yeah. high. Um, so with those, so ideally we should be able to eat all foods like what functional medicine is is not telling people oh you need to be gluten-free you need to be um dairy-free unless you have an allergy um it is to um identify what's causing inflammation remove it repair and then try to add it back in and see if you can digest the food of course there are some foods that are more inflammatory than others gluten and dairy are one of the bigger drivers of that bus um but I, that's the one thing I think I, I struggled with when I first started with functional medicine. I was like, oh, we're basically telling people they can't eat any food. That's No one's going to like this. Right. But really, we should be able to eat a bunch of different foods. Mm-hmm. Gluten, I, I've learned, is um, a tricky one to digest. I think you need like 10 different strains of bacteria. Oh, it's not Sorry. Yeah. Gut bacteria. Um, and then um, like a specific number of digestive enzymes so to have all of those together if you're that person who has all of that and can digest gluten you're awesome <laughs> it's great not, not many me. people have it <laughs> yeah i was bringing people back to drew looking like a <laughs> melting candle <laughs> gluten drew for drew <laughs> yeah drew um i'm okay now so that kind of goes back to the five we call it the five hours of gut re- restoration so we're um repairing and then rebalancing is basically trying to see if you can digest food all foods yeah. again make sure we have you with a um, good uh, a, a better um, what's the word I'm looking for um, environment of bacteria in your yeah. gut that's what those stool tests can tell us if um, they compare it to all of the other people who send in their stool and um, they kind of say you have a, a good um, a good variety of bacteria in your gut or yeah, you don't have a good variety diversity is something diversity, that was that's a good word, so yes. f- fascinating to me because I stole it because my U biome says diversity. Yeah, no, that's the word I was trying to think of. Um, it's really fascinating to me that there's this piece of, um, you know, a huge problem right now in, in America, the, the ADD piece, mm-hmm. and they find a direct correlation between ADD 
it's typically called ADHD in the in the research, but it's essentially the same thing mm-hmm. um, with lack of gut diversity. Hmm. There's like a really strong connection with that. And I've actually seen like I'm like, OK, so I know that this person um, has, you know, been dealing with with ADD or ADHD for a long time. They do the biome and it's so far it's been like one to one lack of gut diversity yeah. with that. Now. That's not how science works. And it's, you know, N equals one. But at the same time, it's kind of nice to have these like little like tiny little pieces of proof that this stuff actually kind of makes sense. And the thing with that made Seth's situation unique is he um, actually had a decent, you know, gut biome situation, especially with like the the gluten and all that. None of that like Mm -hmm. seemed to bother him. And then in terms of trying to find a patient, um, Seth would. Seth would tell you if what you did didn't work. Oh yeah, I <laughs> he'd, be the, he'd be the first person to be he like, "This, this is not. <laughs> yeah, this is not." But so to have him go through all of that and see like the test retest and this works and this doesn't work and whatever, like that's I think that's really powerful for someone to know that they can eventually take it into their own hands. Yep. So um, obviously, a lot of people listening to this podcast do not live in Maine. Um, what, what do they do? How do they, how do they set something like this up? Where can they go? So um, I think the best resource is actually going to the Institute for Functional Medicine website and they actually have a find a practitioner link. So all of the practitioners who've actually taken a module or have, um, actually completed the certification, um, are listed and it actually says um, you're, they're a certified fu- a functional medicine practitioner or they've completed certain modules. So wish me luck. I'm going for my certification exam in April. I've put in my case study. I'm almost there. Nice. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's been a long road. Um, but um, you'll, you will see um, people in your state listed, um, and that's the best resource, I think. Um, so we actually have some worldwide listeners. Mm-hmm. How popular is this type of medicine outside of the United States. It's actually pretty popular. The I would assume it'd be more popular with the with the boneheads we got around here. You, you think it'd you be more popular in a place where they would accept the fact that you could make changes. You would assume, yeah. <laughs> um, IFM caters to uh, actually the entire world. So we have people in Europe. And um, so some of the modules that we do, we actually, are, they're um, live streaming. So we have people all over the world oh, tuning nice. in. So I can't say specifically which... which um, continents but i know europe is a big one so if listeners outside of the u.s visit the website they the should website, they should, should be, still able, to be find. able to find somebody yeah yeah might be awesome. a few maybe a little bit more sparse but yes they're there that's great and then you're where you're currently working if someone is local mm-hmm. i work at a practice called harborside family practice right now um actually i left my position in richmond in 2015 um i was kind of doing a um a home health assessments basically at home where I drive to patients home so it wasn't geared towards functional medicine at all it was kind of a um a a good switch from primary care for me um and then I had my daughter Isabella she's one now um and then after she was born I was kind of wanting to get back in primary care um so I found a position um with Dr. O'Donnell at Harborside in Yarmouth um, and I work there part time on uh, Tuesday and Friday. I'm hopefully going to be increasing hours soon. Um, so I see uh, people in primary care. I am a primary care provider there. Um, and I've started seeing functional medicine consults outside of primary care. So I see people who are not established at the practice um, for the actual functional medicine consult. But we also cater to the people who are established patients. So how does that mix work? You're you're working at a primary care facility. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it like to have those two worlds together? Do they work well together or is it still a challenge? Like, how does that all work? I would say it's still a challenge, but the great... I mean, they obviously, they hired you. Yeah. And yeah. they believe in it. Yeah. You know, I've been to the website and yeah. it's part of their, you know, it's part yeah. of their website. Philosophy, but yeah. how with insurance and with all of these things, like, how does that all coincide? So if you're an established patient, we can still work with insurance for the functional medicine consult. Um, I found that it is a challenge trying to keep it somewhat separate um, for the established patients Mm because, I mean, once you take 
a, a course with IFM, you don't look at medicine or healthcare the same way ever again. So when I'm seeing patients, I've always got that kind of lens, I guess. I yeah. see people, I see things differently now. So, um, and it takes more time, but my um, Dr. O'Donnell built his practice to spend more time with his patients. Um, so I get to move into that model and it was perfect. That's what I wanted. So we, um, as an established patient, you see, you're seen for 30 minutes for generally many things, um, a lot of the chronic health stuff, and then physicals are an hour. So we get a good chunk of time with people, um, even in that um, conventional kind of setting. Um, obviously, the functional medicine consult's a little bit different, like I had explained. You get more time. Yeah, but you, you, have, to give, you have to give them credit for seeing like where things are going wrong and doing what they can within the system, right? Yeah, yeah. For sure. I'm very sensitive to this because uh, those little, I don't even remember, what's the what's the antibiotic that everybody gets? The Z-Pack. Z-Pack. <laughs> what's the name of the, is it just Z-Pack? I think it's, or the, it's azithromycin. It's the Z-Pack. You get the little green thing. Is it's it moxicillin? The, uh, that's, an, that's the ear infection. That's what you'd get for an oh, ear infection not, or a sinus there's, infection. There's not, at my, amoxicillin. not at my primary care physician. You get it for everything. Okay. Moxicillin's like, yo, you want moxicillin? It's like, <laughs> like if Oprah was giving out a moxicillin, like it's that kind of thing. Full disclosure, I liked it when I was a child. I was like, I got another ear infection. I get the pink stuff. <laughs> yes. My Jen, my wife, her <laughs> family is like, they get prescriptions for antibiotics and they hoard them. They save them. And then if somebody gets a cold down the road, they're like, here's some antibiotics. And it's like, Ugh. yeah, it's, it's, do it. For me, I know I'm listening to the way that you work with the patient and I like want uh, my my timeline would be the most messed up thing like that you've ever like heard. I know exactly why I am the way that I am, Mm -hmm. like just from putting my pieces together in the last few minutes with you explaining how that works. It's like. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That yeah, makes sense, I think that makes yeah, sense. patients I mean, can usually pick it out on their own. Right. It's just giving them an opportunity to, to kind of lay it all out on a table. So like, outside of people that listen to this podcast, the type of people that would listen to this podcast and go out and seek a functional medicine practitioner, is there some kind of ecosystem within the conventional medicine where a doctor would say, hey, maybe you should go to this functional medicine practitioner or how do people find you? Like typically come to you um it's totally word of mouth now yeah it's like this worked for me this might work for you um i i think some providers in uh primary care or even any kind of specialty might be privy to understanding functional medicine um it's definitely the direction things are going because it's what patients want I, right. I know that's what they want they want more time they want to understand things more there is of course a, a subset that um, just want a pill for an ill and want to move on the and easy that's, way. The, that's the way it's going to be for them and that's fine um, but I think to be honest with you it's word of mouth at this point um, and we do I mean the IFM itself uh, Institute for Functional Medicine we have a community there um, and we I mean it's not to be confused with integrative medicine but we kind of crossover um with those practitioners too with um naturopath um it's the same idea right i guess so my trying to think of how to word this um when you are when you're dealing with a situation where um we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do some edits ted no, just roll with it. Just roll with it. Okay. <laughs> so so it's essentially I'm just trying to think of like a scenario where, um, you know, someone that's listening to this it has to be part of like the solution because Ted was talking about how essentially, you know, people who are listening, he's sort of, uh, um, man, I can't speak right now. I'm losing <laughs> my mind. He's, he's sort of, he sort of alluded to the fact, there's the word. Um, that someone who listened to this podcast might already be in the vein of like, I would want to find a functional mm-hmm. medicine practitioner. They're self-starter. They're interested in exactly. increasing their own health. Yep. Um, and you talked about the word of mouth piece. And, yep. I, and I think that this community that we're trying to create with the Misfit Project is the com- type of community where 
they find a way to explain to the people in their life how they could make a change by going to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not always the easiest thing um, to, to get that information across. And I just don't know if there's, you know, any pathways for that, that you feel like, you know, someone could really, um, you know, we've talked about, there's like the, the motivation aspect of there's someone in your family. Don't you want to be able to like Jen was talking about how, um, she always says, well, don't you want to be able to hang out with your granddaughter when you're X age or whatever, right. Using that as motivation is like, what, what do you think people could do to convince people in their life that this is somewhere to go? Because a lot of times, like Ted called it, that self-starter will do that anyways. How can they? I think it's that's tricky. Um, when someone does want to make a behavior change, it often comes from within. If you just think about a smoking cessation itself, like something's got to click in that person for them to want to make that change and yeah. be invested in it. Um, so, I mean, as a whole, the people I end up seeing are already ready, like to go. They're yeah. ready. They're, they, they, they're, they're motivated. They're ready to go. So, um, I think maybe explaining that there's a little bit more to your health issue, um, than just taking a medication. There is a way around it. Cause it, it, I don't think that really gets conveyed in, in, uh, conventional medicine, you go into the doctor, um, oh, my blood pressure is getting high. Well, I'm over 60. I guess that just happens. So I'm just going to take a blood pressure medication. I've yeah. got a statin because that's what we do when we're sage. Like, that's what happens. Um, I don't think it's really explained in a lot of offices that there's a little bit more you can do. And that just comes down with the time constraint. I mean, I can't blame. I was in that position. Like, you do what you can. And most of it's just giving a prescription to somebody and and you try to get a couple sentences in about oh maybe you should get outside and try to walk this week and well I mean if you think about it you've got 15 minutes with a person right you're there to help them yeah what can you do in 15 minutes other than well this pill might cut down your stroke risk yeah yeah Yeah. it makes sense yeah it makes perfect sense um it's it doesn't make sense systematically <laughs> it right. makes sense yeah why it how looking at the person in that position really what other option is there i think a good thing for people to think about when they go to their primary care provider and their primary care provider is basically the hub of their health care and i want people to think about it that way um i don't know if that's what people think about when i go to the a, the doctor, doctor yeah. quote-unquote doctor um you your primary care provider and it's titled primary care provider is because they are your home base they are the ones that are like kind of managing um this person that we've referred you to that person that we've referred you to um we are seeing you over a lifespan we're doing blood work annually all of that they are the ones that are um kind of watching these things progress in and organizing your healthcare um i think people should take advantage of that a little bit more. One of the biggest things I think that people do are just go in and the the quote unquote doctor because there are many healthcare practitioners. I'm a nurse practitioner. There are PAs. There are a lot of other professionals that uh, manage your health. Um, asking why, why do I do this? What happens if I don't do this? Um, these are questions you should ask because when someone just hands you a prescription and doesn't explain why, um, I don't believe that's a great way of um, the two of you coming together to manage your health. Um, I don't think people enough ask why or what if I don't do that enough. I mean, going back to the motivation piece that Drew was asking about, it's really a matter of finding an in, I think. So like if you have a family member that's on medication, a lot of times I've seen this like personally, people don't like the medication they're taking. Right. It's a pain in the ass to take it. It makes them feel weird. I've heard those commercials. You, <laughs> you hear you hear the side effects listed on the commercials. So maybe that's an in to be like, oh, you don't like your medicine? Maybe there's a different way. Maybe talk to this person. What's 90 minutes talking to this person going to hurt? Mm-hmm. You might find something out that you didn't know before. Yeah. That, that could be the in. You know, it's just a matter of knowing the person, knowing your audience and, and finding a way to kind of position this and propose it. So the other thing kind of building on that is, um, 
just um, from a practitioner standpoint, um, knowing that I'm going into the room, I have an agenda. And in primary care, the agenda um, in like more like I would say like hospital based primary care, you have like 15 boxes you got to check. You got to ask all these questions. Are you smoking? Are you depressed? Like you have to ask all these questions and like feel like the world's against you (laughs) and you check these boxes. Yes, I talked to this patient about this patient could be in because their toes sore like it, they have a different agenda you yeah. we are forced to have a specific specific agenda um it's um understanding that your agenda doesn't necessarily match the patient's agenda and trying to meet them halfway really it's listening just shut up and listen right, right. <laughs> that's what i've noticed i the patient will tell you their story if you just listen but that's, i that's mean so we funny don't, that you say that don't necessarily have time so yeah. we we like a couple of years ago, we're in a pretty bad car accident mm. and my back has been super jacked up since. And I've had to go to my primary care a couple of times for a sore back. Mm-hmm. And one of the first questions I ask is, do you smoke? It's like, <laughs> that doesn't have anything to do with my back. Yeah. What? Why? Why are you asking me this? No, I don't. But no, <laughs> like fix what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. No, that is that is frustrating. But that that goes along with lines of like um, uh, funding and reimbursement and, yeah. and that kind of thing. But that's a whole nother story. Have you had any, like, someone recommends that their father, brother, grandmother, aunt, uncle go to you that wasn't, like, all in yet? Have you had any scenarios like that yet? No. Well, no. In functional medicine consults, I'm still pretty fresh, so I haven't had any, I haven't had any super challenges yet. I have had in my primary care practice a couple people come in and I'm like oh these people are great to work with like he he's his diet like he's eating like McDonald's for breakfast he's having pizza for lunch this is like mm, perfect I can, we can we can work together we can do this and um apparently my agenda didn't really I didn't not I missed it um, yeah. he didn't want to come back and I kind of had to kind of step back and be like all right what what went wrong there a it was a 30 minute visit um i probably didn't listen to him um and i didn't meet him where he was so it's a learning experience but that's that's powerful because that there's your motivation piece Mm -hmm. you want to help that person and that is more important than how you go about it because it has to be the foundation it has to be where you get started and now that you know, you get more patients, you get to learn how all Mm -hmm. of this works. You get to put those two things together. I, I love the scenarios where someone doesn't think what I'm saying is right. Mm -hmm. I love those scenarios because it gives you an opportunity to, to bring those two worlds together. I am truly now, it took me a while to get here, motivated to help anybody that wants to be helped. Um, and I know that there are so many different roads to get there. And that person that doesn't understand what I'm saying forces me to figure out, like, what's the actual problem here? How can I help them? All of that. And I I think that, again, you just explaining it that way shows that motivation piece that I feel like is, it's just so important for anyone in a position like yours that's not trying to, I can't imagine there are that many people out there that, like, do the functional medicine um, certification that are just trying it's like a money grab oh, this doesn't no. seem like that kind of community it's a no it's a there these people are passionate it's great yeah. it's um you talk about tribes it's like literally that's what what we learned we're like oh these are my my people my tribe um we all have the same kind of um drive to help people and want to get to the bottom of things so yes <laughs> i think that makes it a much richer community yeah. too being yeah. that you're all like-minded and, mm-hmm. and in it for the same end goal that's huge I mean, me sitting in economics class um reading fight club <laughs> making sure that i just have to click the button when the class starts to say that i'm there versus hearing that you're learning this stuff in an environment where there's that tribal aspect that makes so much sense right like exactly and it's you know, it's conventional education versus conventional, you know, medicine versus all of these different things. And it's exciting to me that we're scraping the surface, starting to get into that mode, because, I mean, I don't I don't know exactly how the insurance thing works. And you can probably speak to that a little bit. But mm-hmm. I do know that 
there is a route to mm-hmm. have insurance pay for functional medicine, right? And that is a that, that is a huge win. That's it, that's the trickiest part right now. And our medical model is, I mean, I, that's another huge money. story. But yeah, it's it's, it's, it's all it's, money. It's about money. Yeah, and, and you understand it from. Like this guy's got this job and his bottom line is performance mm-hmm. yeah. benefits. And I don't know that there really is some magic man on top of a mountain somewhere that's collecting all of the money. It just sort of happened because mm-hmm. money was the motivator. But right. Because we, we, we treating, we're treating medicine as a, a business and it's really not yeah. the greatest business to profit off of people getting sick, people who are ill. Um, specifically at our office, if you are an established patient, um, the the visit, the vis- the functional medicine visit itself is separate. Um, we have patients pay up front, and we do submit a time based um, office visit to insurance. And they, depending on your insurance company, we don't know may reimburse the full amount, part of the amount. So we will return that to the patient if you're an established patient. Um, if you are coming in for a consult and you're not an established patient, it is cash based, but we can provide a billing slip that would allow you to submit it to your insurance if you have an HSA, um, basically a health savings account or yeah. something like that. And you could have it covered that way. And that's essentially tax free. Um, so that is also a challenge for a lot of functional medicine practices. And um, I think that when they're solely standing as a functional medicine functional medicine, private practice, um, it, they are primarily cash-based, and that is a barrier to care. Not everyone can afford it. Um, the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio has their own functional medicine clinic um, within the clinic, and I believe they're doing a lot of studies on how that works and how um, you can pay for healthcare that way. Um, I, the hope is that that model gets spread throughout the country hoping um but they are insurance based um i don't know if the way they're billing is keeping them afloat or the cleveland clinics helping keep them afloat i'm not sure i haven't read up on that but um that is a model that um could be looked at um to kind of fit in the insurance model i guess yeah the probably the best um analogy that i heard in terms of functional medicine is the chris cressers of the rock in the shoe I don't know if you've heard him say this, but he essentially says conventional medicine versus functional medicine is if you have a rock in your shoe oh. and you're walking and it's stabbing into your foot, conventional medicine would give you a painkiller. Right. And functional medicine would take the rock out of your shoe. Correct. Yep. Um, and it I, just makes sense. It does. It, it makes a little too much sense. Yeah. It's you're kind of turn your head and I've, I've, I've turned my head sideways just now like a dog would just to like, <laughs> okay. Um, but this this podcast um i think is is so important because people need to know if they are a little bit too far off the path how they can find some help and um for the longest time you know only the self starters were able to you know find these podcasts and these books and you know educate themselves on something and even when you educate yourself you're still kind of alone in it Um, so this podcast in terms of creating a community, but then this specific episode to put out there, I am personally not qualified to talk about this because I have like a vendetta against conventional medicine for personal (laughs) reasons. You've been through both sides. You have an accurate representation of conventional medicine. You have an accurate representation of functional medicine and you sort of know how those worlds go together. And having someone on here that is actually qualified to to talk about that, I think, is just so important because it gives a little bit more validity to, you know, sort of what's going on. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's true. I mean, the it, conventional medicine has it's great. I mean, we a lot of us would be not alive. Like it's great. Yeah. We, the it's the 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 um the uh, meshing of the two that I think will provide better healthcare to people. Absolutely. And and within if you look at the healthcare systems in other countries, their disaster care is not as good. Mm-hmm. Um but their lifestyles are much better and they don't have, you know, these similar issues. So yes, conventional medicine has led us to like someone wants to be able to go in and say, like, I know I'm supposed to die now, but I'm not going to. Like 
that's like America can can help you out in that regard. But another country, their way of life, their you know stuff that you know I read about and want to s- steal all the time. You, know, you think of these like Scandinavian countries, the happiest places on earth, but they don't have sunlight. You know for these long periods of time because they spend all of this time together as families around Mm -hmm. the fire they're not watching tv Mm -hmm. all of that like um the disaster prevention is one positive that we can take out of the like money model um and mixing that with the lifestyle stuff with you know someone who does what you do i think is um the only way that we're not just going to drive our you know debt into the ground to the point where we can't get out of it so yeah um just thinking of books that i might recommend to people too um there's a book called the disease delusion by jeffrey bland i know there's some controversy around his name but the the point of the book is good it kind of um gives you the idea that people might think they're more sick than they are and um, give them an idea that they can do more about it um as far as like the palliative care, I just finished reading Being Mortal by Atul Gwande, which um, I think is great read for anyone, um, kind of talks about end of life and where our model kind of tries to keep people alive for as long as possible, right. despite quality of life. Yeah. So that's another one that's um, a good thing for people to read if you're interested. I'm trying to think if I have any other suggestions. Um, so... One of the one of the goals that I had for having you on this podcast was to create a scenario where if we wanted to dig into a specific topic on a future episode, we mm-hmm. could do that. If we wanted to work with you on uh, an article or something along those lines. Um, and one of the things that we can help with, one of the things that we are actually good at is uh, sort of like that social media mm-hmm. like marketing kind of aspect. So is there anywhere currently that someone can go to connect with you personally via social media or email or anything like that? Um, yeah, I, I guess probably the best. I, did, I do have a Minnie Howarth nurse practitioner, functional medicine and nutrition Facebook page. I've not been a very active Facebook user on that, but you can definitely connect with me that way. Um, probably the best way to connect with me. Um, we have a Harborside Family Practice website. Um, you can learn a little bit more about a functional medicine visit on that page. Um, HarborsideFamilyPractice.com. Yep. Yeah. And then we have Harborside Family Practice on Facebook, but probably reaching me personally, you could reach out to my Facebook page. I think that the easiest way for people will be to go to the show notes for mm-hmm. this for this episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll include a, a list of links um, to the various things that Manea has talked about. Um, just for people listening, ifm.org is the Institute for Functional Medicine website that mm-hmm. Manea was talking about where you can mm-hmm. find a practitioner. Um, but we will include the link to her Facebook page as well as Harborside's Facebook page and website. This was fun. Yeah, that was great. And we I'm r- glad really, I was in- really appreciate you doing this. Oh, I like to be able to tell my story and get the word out there. Um, this is a, actually a great way to um, get people to learn a little bit more about functional medicine. Like I heard it on a podcast, so yeah. maybe someone else will hear it on a podcast. Well, <laughs> spread the good word. Yep. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys. All right, guys, that was episode 11 of The Misfit Project with Manea Haworth. What a good one. Yeah, yeah. I was, um, it, it's funny, you know, we've we've done other media projects where we've interviewed people, but the new studio setting and everything definitely lends to a nice, calm, easy conversation, yeah. which is what I was hoping was going to happen. So. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was really solid. So... As usual, we end the podcast with please check us out on our social media outlets um, at the misfit.project on Instagram, Misfit Project on Facebook. Our web address is misfitproject.com. And to help us in our journey through the podcasting world, if you enjoy what you're hearing, please give us a five star review on iTunes. Seeds us a little bit higher, makes this project possible. So thanks again for listening. See you next time. Thank you, guys.